We might be too young to have a spotted cow, but we are both diehard Packers fans. I could talk about this for hours. He was my legend. He was my quarterback one. Taysom Hill, forever in my heart. We have a kind of a reputation of being the young, the young diehard fans. How was that, Dr. Pepper Taysom? Amazing. Hey, good. Let's keep it over 25 minutes, all right? everybody to the underage Packers podcast this is episode 121 I am Joey thank you so much for tuning in and to my left is somebody according to Aaron Rodgers is a great kid I'm not so sure of his judgment on that but uh Big B how you doing on this uh Bears week well I was doing good until you dropped that on me good lord I'm I'm sorry I I just had to throw that out there Aaron might have to look into that to use his own phrasing um (laughs) uh, but today we'll be talking about the green bay packers getting ready to face off against the chicago bears and something i wanted to mention at the top here is you know both these teams virtually have nothing to play for at this point in the season both dwindling at the bottom of the conference but there, there is some stakes sold in this game. Obviously, it's Packers versus Bears, one of the greatest rivalry, and not only the NFL, but of all of sports. But this week, unless there is a tie, whoever wins this game will hold the title of the team with the most wins in NFL history. So with, uh, you know, the Packers tied this record in – I want to say week four of the season when they won over New England and then they didn't want, you know, they only needed one more to top that, but then the bears won another game. So the Packers won against Dallas. Now we're back tied at uh seven I want to say. So whoever wins this game gets 738th win and gets bragging rights. Um, and Hey, they're probably each of them probably only going to win two or three games for the rest of the season anyway. So it, it's it's a pretty big, pretty big uh, game here if you want to say that. It's pretty much a, a loser's bowl if you if you want to think about it that way. Um, so want to throw that out of the top. There is some things we have to talk about from the aftermath of the Eagles game. We did do a recap of the Eagles game where we got all of our frustrations about out about this god awful defense and team really. Um, but there's still some things we want to talk about. And firstly, and most importantly, is Joe Barry. What What is going on, guy? What is going on with this defense here? I cannot believe there was a time in this calendar year when we thought that Joe Barry was going to be this guy that powered the, this Devontae Adams-less team through to a Super Bowl title. We really thought, I remember podcasters saying, and I don't mean to throw her under the bus, but Perry Goldstein, I'm pretty sure I remember her saying something like, I, I feel really good in this defense because of Joe Barry's scheme. And oh no. And I'm, I'm not <laughs> throwing her under the bus because I was right there with her. Uh, you know, four months later, it's a, a very, very different picture. Um, Big B, can you give us a count? I know you don't exactly have PFF in your room all the time, but can you give us a count on how many times you yelled at your TV and specifically directed at Joe Barry this season? Oh, my, this season. Um, We're going to go with about probably 15 to 20 times. Mm. 
Okay. Um, that seems a little low, but I like Joe Barry. He's a nice guy. So, I mean, that that's keeping my uh, t- temper down a little bit, but okay. it's still really frustrating for me. We need to – somebody needs to create that a stat. What's, you know, the, the common term usage? Like, big B screams over expected or over average uh, BSOA. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the new stat that's coming to PFF, and that's mm-hmm. going to be completely worth your subscription to them. Um, yeah, Joe Barry's defense is so frustrating. And I look back because – what inspired me to do this was you said in our Eagles recap that for the next defense coordinator, you want someone that's going to be aggressive. That's going to be kind of strict. So kind of the opposite of Matt. They're not going to let anything get by without making sure Mm -hmm. the defense isn't running 20 laps the next day. Um, And, you know, that's something, but also just, this defense is not ex- what we expected at all when Joe Barry was hired. And if you remember the big reason that Joe Barry was hired was because of his scheme. Matt LaFleur extended the favor that the Packers gave him uh, when they hired him in 2019. His track record, track record was not so great. He was coming off a year as a Titans coordinator uh, and did not pre- produce a very good unit. And they hired him mainly off of what they thought he had in his personality, but also what was really important was the fact that he was going to run the Sean McVay Shanahan type offense. So he extended the favor and did the same type of thinking with Joe Barry. Um, Obviously he was friends with him and Ned worked with him before in LA, which obviously he took into account. But one of the main things that stood out to Barry um, to Matt over guys like um, Giro Evero um, Ryan Davis, I want to say was his name from Washington, was the fact that he was going to run this dynamic, big Fangio defense that was seeing a lot of success for the Rams under Brandon Staley in 2019 and in 2020, um, and another team as well. I mean, Vic Fangio was the hottest commodity just two years ago um, before he was fired as Broncos head coach uh, after last year. So he was really expecting this defense to come with this new wave, this Brandon Staley wave of the many different looks. And most importantly, the bearing looks pre-coverage that would confuse the quarterback, which ironically, like Aaron Rodgers would be a big weapon to use against him um, to play on his strengths and make it one of his weaknesses. If a quarterback is taking so much time to analyze the defense just for the coverage to completely change up um, after the ball was snapped. That and also just multiple different looks. And Matt Fleur said when they introduced Joe Barry as defense coordinator that he was looking forward to this defense because, where's the quote? Here we go. He says, all great coaches, you've got to be able to adapt to your personnel in order to have success. He said, Barry's scheme is multiple enough for us to do that. Oh man, what's the uh, what's the series with that with Larry David? Carbier enthusiasm. Per, I mean, just who could have saw it coming? Matt, play the clown music in the background. I it, it's hard to wa- look at that. If this idea of being able to adapt to your personnel and as Matt Lafleur is 
I would say famous for saying, but I don't think anybody really watches his press conferences that religiously outside of our little community on Packers Twitter. You got to put your players in the best possible position to succeed. And this defense is constantly doing the exact opposite of that. Why you have a group with Jair Alexander, who can be very aggressive. He was known in college for just being such an aggressive physical defender. And, I mean, I wish we had Louisville Jair Alexander. Not saying that he's been disappointing at all throughout his career, but I wish we had that nasty Louisville um, Jair Alexander on our team. But that's besides the point. You have Jair Alexander, who you are constantly playing 10 yards off of the line of scrimmage, playing it safe. Like he is not one of the best cornerbacks in the league. You're playing Rasul Douglas. He played so long in the slot early on in the season when that is not what he's meant for. Mm-hmm. I, I don't understand this. You have this defensive line went out there so many times with guys who are clearly just not meant to play in that position. Kenny Clark has suffered over these past four or five weeks after a good start to the season. So it is ironic and hard to see Matt LaFleur say in January of 2021 that he thinks Joe Barry is going to adapt to his players to make sure they're always in the best position to succeed. And one another one of those players that I'm intrigued by and kind of confused by is the fact that Dean Lowry is still, for the most part, playing over Devontae Wyatt and TJ Slayton. In this past game, where the Eagles ran over all over the Packers' defense, um, you had Devontae White, a first-round draft pick, getting 25% of the snaps, only 20 out of 80. And I'm not saying that as an indictment on Devontae White, because you know us at the underage Packers, we're always going to be patient with rookies. Um, But this is not a scenario like Rashawn Gary having to not play in his rookie season under – Preston Smith and Sedarius Smith, who are an absolutely electric outside linebacking duo in 2019. This is the exact opposite of that. You have Kenny Clark, who, despite this bad stretch, like I mentioned, he is still a phenomenal nose tackle, one of the best in the league. But other than that, there is nobody you are holding on to that has to be in this lineup. What is Dean Lowry adding to your defensive line in this season? And once again, we say this as great supporter of uh, what's what's our name from. It changes all the time. You know, you just got to think of words that rhyme, but it's something like mean, Dean, Eden, lean, getting all the protein, Lowry. Um, we say this as great fans of Dean, you know, would love to have him on the show anytime, but he has been awful this year. Uh, you know, Dean Lowry this year has been just as bad as people have made him out to be in past years. <laughs> this is how people yeah. have described his play. And it's hard to watch. He He's not adding anything on runner pass defense. So I don't understand why Devontae White is not getting an opportunity. And it's really contradictory of what we've seen from the Packers in the past who have kind of stuck to their uh, draft picks for too long. Um, or, you know, have played players just because of draft position. Why is their first-round draft pick not playing 
even close to half of the snaps, it's it's bizarre to me, especially when Dean Lowry is not good. This defense line as a whole is not good. TJ Slayton, too, you know, he's getting some increased playing time. He did get 42% of the snaps past week. But I I I, I don't understand it. Um, Bigby, is there any other confusion on Joe Barry's decisions you have? Well, yeah, I'm just going to go off of uh, the Devontae Wyatt discussion you were having there with yourself. Um, you know, we – when we drafted Devontae Wyatt, everybody knew he was going to be a player who was probably going to not play so much this year. He's going to be a de- um, developmental type player this entire year, probably get more playing time next year. But then when I, th- I think Joe Barry mentioned him in his presser a few weeks ago saying, yeah, he's been looking really good. You know, he seems like he's really improving week to week. And then all of a sudden he just completely disappears. Like, yeah. I don't I don't understand why he's not getting more playing time at this point, especially when Joe Barry himself said, like, he's been looking a lot better, like, the past few weeks, a few weeks ago. And Dean Lowry, like you said, Dean Lowry has just looked completely ass this year. And I just don't understand why he's getting so much more playing time than TJ Slayton or Devontae Wyatt or literally anybody else. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and it's not like Dean Lowry is – the safer option to put our turn yeah. on it. It's not like yeah, they're throwing him out there just because they know he's not going to have any stupid penalties or not make mistakes that you might see within a rookie. Uh, that's not the case. So there's that. There's this team completely, you know, daring the Eagles to run. <laughs> with their defensive looks, just daring the Eagles to run it because they're scared of what Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown can do to them, even after three quarters of just being annihilated in the running game by Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders. They're still like, we're going to stick with one high safety, all right? We, 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 can't, we can't have them passing on us, all right? We don't want that to happen. It's It's confusing. Yeah, those photos, once again, are back on Twitter of our, our corners not even in the in the picture. And yeah. it's just the receiver. That I thought we were done with that after Mike Pettin got fired. And, you know, now they're back. And now I'm getting Vietnam flashbacks to Pettin. Yeah. And now I'm crying myself to sleep at night. And I just want it to be over with. It drives me nuts. Yeah. Um, and with the, the Stephens, there has been, you know, as much as we can crap on Joe Barry, there is – plenty of flame to go around for some of these players um, for not playing up to expectation. And that is also why we were wrong in saying that this defense is going to be top 10 in the NFL. And if we could just go back to that time when Mina Kimes predicted that the Packers defense would be second in the league this year, my God, uh, those, those were the good old days for sure. Oh yes. But there, there's a lot of players whether it be Darnell Savage, maybe Preston Smith, but I honestly have not been watching him close enough to be able to say that for sure. But Darnell Savage for sure, Rasul Douglas, Devondre Campbell when he before he got injured, um, Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, um, who Eric Stokes, um, who else is there? Adrian Amos. Adrian Amos for sure. That's a big one too. I mean that's more than half of the starters that I listed, I'm pretty sure, mm-hmm. that have just, like, had a, a steep 
steep drop off from where they were last year and what we expect out of them with Darnell Savage too. It's just a really disappointing case because we were always kind of holding on. This is funny to look back on to the Nick Collins career path of, Oh, you know, he's just not a very dynamic player the first two years. He gets a bare minimum done, but he's, he's not going to be a great safety. And then we have three or four great years of Nick Collins before he gets hurt. So, Hey, but Darnell Savage has not followed that at all. He has been mediocre in his first three seasons. And now here comes your number. This is where this is this his fourth year? I think so. Already his fourth year. Just uh, bad at tackling. That has been exposed. Uh, has had a lot of blown coverages early on this season. And although he looked solid at nickel when he didn't have to tackle, Still not great. <laughs> not great. So uh, disappointing to see in Darnell. And this front office um, with defense and offense, too, you look on that side of the ball, Josh Myers, and maybe also, you, you throw out some Jenkins into that category, but you obviously have to consider the knee injury that he recovered pretty quickly from all things considered. Uh, maybe you throw Robert Tunyon into that category, too. Alan Lazard for sure. sure. Uh, you know, there's a lot of players at the front office this offseason is going to seriously ask themselves, are these players actually good? And they're going to have to make some hard decisions. Um, but there's some players like Devondre Campbell in there, Campbell in there, who they paid a lot of money for. And some of those are contracts that they are able to get out of easily. Um, I'm pretty sure that's the case for Devondre, five years, 50 million, but I'm pretty sure they pretty easily get out of that after this season. I don't think they will, though. Rasul Douglas, who they pretty much chose, well, they didn't choose him over Devontae Adams. That's that's not fair to say, but with the money that was freed from the Devontae Adams trade uh, and not having to give Devontae that contract, they paid not only Devondre, but also Rasul. Um, he's making just about 10, 13 million a year too for three years. So I don't know what they're going to do. I don't, there's going to have to be some surprises. And like we talked about with Ryan Wood, um, whether they rebuild or try to keep the, this train running on not a lot of tracks, um, this off season will be have, have to be a decision they want to make. Um, Big B, anything you want to add to that or any other players you want to throw under the bus there? Um, players to throw under the bus. Um, you know, not really. You really mentioned them all. Um, probably just say Robert Tunyon because he has uh, really been uh, disappointing in my fantasy team this year. And now I'm in. Oh, come on. Now I have about like four tight ends on my fantasy team trying to uh, find the right tight end for the playoffs. But, hey, that's totally different category of conversation here. So, we shall yeah. continue. Uh, AJ Dillon is probably another one to throw in there, even though he's being underutilized. He has yeah. had his down games. Um, but, yeah, it, it's hard to tell with some of these players, whether it's a fluke. Uh, with Rasul and Devondre, it's obviously going to be really concerning, considering those were two players who had not been great. Not you know, Devondre was all pro last year, and he had not shown anything close to that. And any year prior to his career, Rasul was jumping around practice squads before he came and saved 
the Packers defense last year. Um, you know, so those two players are going to be even more concerning. Um, the fact that the Packers gambled on and said, you know, these two great seasons or these seasons from these two great players were not outliers, were not anomalies. They just finally got a chance to show what they had. They gambled on that. And this year it's concerning. So there's that. And will be interesting to see what changes Packers make this offseason. All right. The the man who will be at the center of uh the offseason discussion discussions. I was going to say changes, but I don't think any changes are coming with this man unless he it's by his own will. Um, but Aaron Rodgers, what's going on with him? We talked about this with Ryan Wood last week, and you know I, I said something something to him to the effect of, "What are we really seeing this year from him? Are we seeing a step off in play because of the thumb injury, or?" Is it because of the, you know, the the lack of weapons that people would call? And that that is a fair statement with how they've played. I mean, uh, as I've gone through my tweeting adventures of sometimes daring to criticize Aaron Rodgers when he's played bad uh, multiple times this season, people have said, well, Sammy Watkins sucks. Randall Cobb can't catch a thing. Same with Al Lazard. Al Lazard can't run a route. Christian Watson's always injured. Romeo Dobbs is injured now, and maybe he'll make a play sometimes, but his wide receiver sucks. And, hey, sometimes like I have no argument for that. There has been a lot of drop passes, a lot of miscommunications this season from Aaron Rodgers' wide receivers. So is it, you know, thumb, um, miss missing Devontae Adams and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, not having a lot of wide receivers you can trust, or the third, you know, sound the bell option, sound the alarm option, is it, are we finally seeing age catch up to Aaron Rodgers? Is this the, the universe that we thought was going to play out after 2018 and 2019? Is, a, is this the universe we thought was going to happen? And it, it's really hard to say. And, you know, the Packers really can't change anything based on their opinion of what's going on between those three options because, like we mentioned last week, Aaron Rodgers is set to get paid a huge amount. Be surprised if he retires. He has shown that there is nothing in him that is um, turning on the game of football as he – played one or two drives last week with a injured oblique and a broken thumb. Uh, he's been playing with a broken thumb for half of the season. So they, you know, clearly still loves football. He said many times this offseason that he wants to retire as a Green Bay Packer. And this contract the Packers gave him um, last year was all about the respect that Aaron Rodgers wanted and was throwing uh a big deal out of during the 2020 season um, when he was saying it's not about the money, but implying, yeah, I could use some more money. It's about the respect. It's about the respect that money shows. And that's where we are now. The Packers made a long-term commitment to him. They gambled that they would continue to see similar results that they got in 2020 and 2021 from Aaron. And, it is, uh, you know, very cloudy, very foggy to say what is causing um, 
you know, bad play from Aaron Rodgers, but you also do have to throw into the conversation that he's built trust with Christian Watson over these past few weeks and his wide receivers have done better. They have involved the running game more. And in those instances, he played really well in the Dallas Cowboys game. And that's a big reason why they won. Obviously he played really well in the first three quarters against the Eagles. We don't have to talk about the Titans game. All right. That was on a Thursday. The Packers don't play game on Thursday. Who cares about that game? Okay. Um, but he played really well in those two games. And there has been other times pretty much every week outside of that too, there's two or three plays where you're like, Oh my God, that, that is not a human. Um, so Bigby, what are your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers performance this season and kind of what the next few years of play look like for him? Man. Yeah. Um, you know, the first uh, couple weeks of the season, I think it really was based on not having full trust in the rookie receivers and the young receivers. And I think that was a big part of why he was struggling early in the season. Mm-hmm. But now at this point, like he's gained that trust with Watson. He, he gained that trust with Romeo before he got hurt. He's gaining trust with Samore. If he, you know, got more playing time, he'd probably be up there with Christian Watson with gaining trust. Mm-hmm. But now I think it's not a um, chemistry problem. I think it's now the, the uh, broken thumb. I think that's the main reason why Aaron has been missing so many throws and clearly so since, since it is on his throwing hand. So, I mean, that seems like the reason why he's been um, so off the last few weeks is because of that broken thumb. And, you know, if he comes back next year, I fully expect him to go back to his um, 2021 self and uh, playing like he normally does. Yeah, there's a universe. And I know everybody that is watching is going to want to stop me from this uh, illusion I want to live in in my head. But there is a universe, okay, where the Packers take the bye after London and and Aaron Rodgers gets a chance a week to rest that broken thumb. And, well, hey, who cares about the bye? I mean, maybe they don't take that bye. They stick with the option that Matt LaFleur chose. They opt out of that bye after London. But instead of that, they win just two or three of those games on that five-game win streak – and they're honestly not in the worst position right now. They have, at the very least, a much greater chance than 2% to make the playoffs. Let me look back at the schedule here. Because so I, I just need to re- be reminded on how some of these games ended. The first one that comes to mind is the Washington game, where the Packers, if it wasn't for just an absolutely absurd throw and catch from Taylor Heineke to Terry McLaurin, um, you know on third and 10, the Packers would have gotten the ball back with two minutes remaining and only down by two points with, uh, you know, like that one's hard to digest. You know, the other argument to that is just the fact that they very much should have played better. Also that Giants game before Rogers breaks is some, if Amari Rogers doesn't fumble the punt. And if they just have better play calling in the fourth quarter, they can very easily win that game. And they also had the chance um, at the goal line. I mean, what if Aaron Rodgers just 
gets those two fourth and goal passes over the defenders, even though there was already pressure on his face. So just those two, there's easy solutions to see how they win. Against Detroit, they literally just needed one more solid drive. Just one more. And, I mean, the offense was gifted those opportunities so many times. So many times. The Jair Alexander interception that Aaron Rodgers falls back and say, eh, I don't want the ball, never mind. Just just those three games. Uh, I mean, Matt, if this team is 7-8, and eight, the record would, quite frankly, be better than they actually are. But they'd be sitting in a solid place. And then they're going to Chicago here can – I still think they win this game, even with how bad they are. And then they go into a bye week, and they get to, as Matt Lafleur originally attended, um, have this bye week before a final stretch before the playoffs, and rest up Aaron Rodgers some, go up against a bad LA team, uh, and then the last three games you got Minnesota, Detroit, and that's it. Miami, Miami. Yes, Miami on Christmas Day. So, it's frustrating. It, it is certainly frustrating. Um, but there's a lot of things you can point to on would have, could have, should have for this Packers season, for sure. Uh, but looking ahead to this bowl for the biggest or for the most wins in NFL history um, against the Chicago Bears. Big B, I've, I've got some... Awful news for you. I don't know if you took a peek at the script, but you, do you remember what the Packers allowed Jalen Hurts to do last week? Um, unfortunately, I do. Okay, yeah, it is ingrained in your mind. They let him run for 98 yards just on two drives, and it only got worse from there. Okay, so there's an issue. Okay, Justin Fields currently leads all quarterbacks in rushing yards with 843. He ran for 178 versus Miami, 147 versus Detroit. So it might be another long day, long day. (laughs) And not only do they have Justin Fields who can run all over you, but they also have David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert in the backfield who are also really good running backs. So I'm a little bit worried. We're going to die again. I'm not worried because, uh, well, I'm I'm, I'm not. The reason I'm worried isn't because I'm, I'm worried of the Madden another loss to their column, their, to the record this week, because God knows I've already given up on that, but I'm worried for how miserable I'm going to be spending my Sunday for another three hours. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't have to be the case. Okay. Because, Unlike the Eagles, the Bears do this. The Bears offense does this, led by former Packers quarterback coach Luke Getzey. They do this because their passing game is abysmal. Okay? And now, if it was abysmal before, then I would have to pull out a thesaurus to find an even more abysmal version of abysmal, find out (laughs) what the passing game is going to look like without Darnell Mooney in there. It's it's bleak for the Chicago's Bear offense for sure. And all respect to Justin Fields, it, it seems like he's finally turned a page and been able to uh, play better this season. 
But man, that Bears that Bears offense isn't great outside of the running game. But that's all they need to beat the Packers. Um, Aaron Rodgers will be good in this game after that oblique injury, but he's going to be all good to go. Um, and hey, we'll have to see. Aaron Rodgers will keep on his hope that uh, this team will survive on the playoff line. And I, I saw somebody describe this. I think it was one of your replies. Um, they said, teetering this line of not mathematically eliminated. Mathematically still in the playoff race. And you know what's going to suck? Is that we are going to be not mathematically eliminated until the last two weeks. Because <laughs> we have Chicago this week. And if we win, unless – I would assume it takes two, three or four other teams to win – to mathematically eliminate us because I think we'd somebody would bring it to our attention now if all it would take is a loss for us to be eliminated. Um, but a win in Chicago, um, and then you have a bye week, still in it then, and then a very bad LA Rams team, probably without Cooper Cup, probably without Aaron Donald, at Lambeau, Big B and Joey, good luck charm. And then Detroit, where, and and Lambeau again, and then until like, and then you got Miami, which they probably lose to, and that probably ends it right there. But like they're going to teether this line, and we're going to get to see Aaron Rodgers for another two weeks. And hey, this is nothing against him, but like this is not me saying I'm done with him. But you know, I would like to see Jordan Love get some playing time, and I'm sure the front office would too. Mm-hmm. Um. Big B, any uh, final thoughts here before we end this one off? Um, hopefully um, I don't go insane this weekend yep. um, watching the Bears run all over us, especially when uh, we have we have company coming over. We've got a big Sunday oh, no. here. Oh, no. Um, they they are, you guys oh, they are, they are going to meet Big B. Yes, they will be. So big plans coming up soon. Stay on, stay on the lookout for my on my Twitter for that. It'll be very fun. So, yeah, hopefully I just don't go insane and uh, scare them away. Yes. Well, that's all we got for you here on this episode of the Underage Packers podcast. We'll be back with you next week. Um, but until then, make sure you follow us on all the social medias and all that good stuff. And as always, go Pack Go.